Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you, so we'll jump into it. Um, Bro, thank you for joining us on the Pair Program. Um, This is another bonus episode of a mini-series that we call How We Hatched. Uh, so this will be a fun discussion to hear a little bit more about your unique career journey you know, where you kind of came from, uh, how you arrived at this current point in your seat today as a CEO and co-founder of Lithic. Uh, so I always like to start by having you provide the listeners with a, a quick overview of Lithic and, and the problems that you all are solving here. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tim, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. So r- really quick, uh, Lithic, we were founded in 2014 uh, and basically uh, we've built we build infrastructure that makes it easy for uh, developers, uh, fintech companies, software companies to issue debit and credit cards. So you think about it, like the the uh, cards that you carry around in your wallet. We build technology that makes it easier for companies to to produce those. Um, not not the not the actual plastic manufacturing, but the technology that powers you know and routes the transactions and helps you know settle settle those uh, those transactions. Like the behind the scenes, people yeah. people are quick to swipe, but they don't know what's going on, uh, you know, but through through the different layers and systems of of whatnot. So exactly, we we build the plumbing, the infrastructure, uh, you know, all that stuff that powers kind of the the movement of the money. Love it, love it. Well, it's certainly an important area that you're tackling. Um, let's let's flash back, you know, let's talk a little bit about your journey and and start from the roots. You know, where where did you grow up, and and what got you into the world of tech? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I grew up in Kansas, um, and I, I always say, I, in many ways, I kind of got tricked into the world of startups. Uh, and what I mean by that is, like, I so I started building websites in high school with my co-founders Jason and David, and you know, at the time, this is like this is in the uh, around two thousand five, two thousand six, and. Um, it was relatively easy to build websites. There were like fewer, there's like less competition. You know, ad spend, uh, CPMs were not less optimized, and so uh, we built this early cloud uh, file hosting company, uh, kind of an early box competitor back back when back when box was still a consumer product, and um, got pretty fortunate in that like it just kind of took off and. Uh, we sold the company before we went off to college and we were like, gee, like startups are like really easy. Like you just build it and people come and we're just like high school kids. Right. So um, after after college, um, I uh, joined this incubator uh, called Hatch It's basically an incubator within this larger company called IAC. And we incubated like 10 companies and uh, so maybe it was like eight, eight or nine, 10, so, something on that order. It was a handful. And um pretty much all of them died except for one. Uh, and that one company was Tinder. And so uh, that was like a really interesting kind of firsthand experience into like the world of tech, like, you know, venture back startups. Um, and, uh, you know, basically in around 2014, uh, Jason, David and I teamed up and we had this idea for building a easier and safer way to shop online. And we launched what became privacy.com. And from there, we actually took the infrastructure that we built from pri- built for privacy, and uh, decided to kind of productize it for for other uh, companies. 
All right. So a couple of couple of quick things. One, um, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. How many times have you heard that uh, from from folks that that you hear <laughs> they're coming from Kansas and then coming to you went to MIT, right? Uh, That's right. Uh, yeah. And now now you're in New York. So quite a quite a change of pace. Um, you met your other two co-founders when in they lived with you in Kansas. Yeah, so the story actually is uh, Jason and I grew up down the street from each other. So we were, we were neighbors. We went to high school together. Cool. Uh, Jason, uh, David actually uh, grew up in the UK and we met on the internet. And so um, at the time, you know, I think we were like, uh, like 13, 14, and uh, we got introed by uh, a mutual friend who we met, we both met online in a chat room. And so we were like, he was like, I think 12. And so it was sort of this like, you know, business intro brokered by a 12 year old between like a 13 and 14 year old. That's um, incredible. So co-founders yeah. meeting in, in their early teens. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Um, Cool. And so then, uh, you know, the transition from well, what you what you study at MIT? Uh, what was your what, what were you uh, I, su- I studied I studied math at MIT. Um, and the the thing with math at MIT is is actually the most flexible major. Um, mm-hmm. So you can kind of uh, there there's a fair number of like classes that you can you know take, and there there's a pretty broad diversity of like experiences. It j- doesn't have to just be math. It has kind of fairly loose requirements and um that that kind of was what drew me uh to the major and so you're um you're you're studying at mit you you graduate and you uh stumble into the the incubator opportunity with hatch um would you say that that you know you pursued that or somebody recruits you into hatch you know I'm, i'm thinking back to your startup you know that you created you know in your early days is that something that stuck with you and you said you wanted to kind of keep in the startup ecosystem? Yeah, I was. So after college, I actually wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And um, so I was visiting New York and a friend of mine from college was uh, was at Hatch and was like, hey, like, you know, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's startups. You get to, you know, work within a bigger company. It's like interesting exposure. Um, and I kind of just picked it based on, you know, that it was like, Hey, like, you know, there's a fit here and it seems pretty interesting. And, um, I think just the opportunity to kind of like see a bunch of companies being built Mm -hmm. was, was really pretty unique. Um, I, I had always known that I wanted to do something, uh, in startups and tech and product and, um, it was kind of a natural fit in that sense. Would you say that the incubator also gave you a little bit more insight into, you know, maybe what kind of verticals were interesting to you? Um, you obviously are, you know, you, you went into the fintech space. Um, was fintech something that you felt was of interest to you or did it just kind of fall into your lap? Yeah, so I would say the... The incubator more gave me like exposure to like different, you know, ways of building an early stage company. Um, Because one of the cool things is like they brought in a lot of like entrepreneurs, like repeat entrepreneurs and um, serial founders. And um, it was really cool to be able to kind of see their different styles up close. In terms of like fintech in particular, I've actually I've been always interested in fintech. Uh, I've had my share of experiences with uh, poor experiences with PayPal, and 
specifically and uh, in in uh, in um, early days. And so it always been kind of interesting to me, like you know, how, like how money moved and why these systems worked the way they did, and you know why it was hard to like scale like stuff like fraud systems and um, you know j just generally if you think about it, like we're talking to you. To each other on what are effectively supercomputers. Uh, if you, you know, think back to like 15 years ago, like why is it that we still, uh, when you want to buy something online, you're pulling out a piece of plastic with a static 16-digit numbers etched onto it and you know punching it into your supercomputer, right? Um, so the industry's always been kind of fascinating to me. So you're kind of scratching your own niche here. Uh, it sounds like um, and. Incubators in general, too. I think that experience at Hatch is also very fascinating. The ability to, you know, see how companies are built in early stages. You probably got a little bit of exposure into venture capital at this point, too, of just like, you know, how to how to build on a budget. Um, you know, when when's the right time to maybe take take money and 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 not need it at certain points. Um, would you say that um, you know some of the connections that you made at Hatch were folks that followed you uh into the early days with privacy.com um no so not not really um the team at hatch was pretty small um and kind of had pretty divergent interests um we've kept in touch over the years mm -hmm. and um some some of them are my my closest friends and so that's that's been um that's it was a really formative experience but now like we we, we didn't end up uh working together haven't got yet. it. Uh, so what, what year did you start privacy? We started privacy in 2014. Uh, I think it was, uh, I want to say we incorporated in July of 2014. And it's you and your two co-founders? Yeah, that's right. We, we had this idea, uh, virtual cards made really easy. So think kind of like LastPass for one password, except, yeah. except for your card info. So anytime you go to checkout page, you have a browser extension installed, you click a button and boom, you get a brand new card number. Yeah, I, I was researching. I think it's a really creative idea. Um, is, is privacy still around or is that something that you kind of sunsetted after? It yeah, is, it, it is. And so um, pri privacy today is like one of the leading uh, providers of virtual cards for consumers uh, in the US. And the way to think about it is like, you know, it's, it's one corporate entity, but effectively privacy is a customer of Lithic. Mm. So privacy is this is B to, you know, B to C, um, Lithic is B to B. Uh, when, when did you make this, I guess, when did you have this kind of aha moment of, you know, let's, let's make this pivot. Let's maybe make, focus a little bit more into building Lithic for, you know, from a B2B perspective. Yeah. You know, um, it was a little, it was a little accidental, um, or it, it, there wasn't like sort of a, uh, binary moment where we we're like, oh, this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was, it was gradual. So, um, we launched privacy on a, uh, legacy, uh, card issuing processing platform. And, um, over the years, you know, I think it was probably over like two or three years as we scaled privacy, um, we we basically like continuously ran into issues with our legacy partner and ended up having to build our own processing. Um, and in the pro in the process of doing that, um, 
we we basically developed this point of view on like kind of what the market needed. And so um, the two things that we we, we realized were uh, first, like it's way too expensive and way too painful to launch. And second, like, you know, even as you scale, like these like issues start continue to crop up where reconciliation, transaction processing, um, things go down, they, they change their APIs on the fly. Um, it just becomes very painful to scale. And so um, we, we built this like kind of modern solution for ourselves. And we had customers actually that were uh, basically reverse engineering our mobile APIs to get access to um, our, our APIs. And um, we were like, hey, like, look, we're already kind of doing this um, for, for folks because they're reverse engineering our APIs. Like, why not see if there's like, you know, uh, a bigger opportunity here uh, in, in terms of uh, unlocking this for more folks. So this, uh, you know, so what what year was it that Lithic kind of really started to gain steam? I'd say we opened it up in 2018 or 2019, and it really started to take off in 2020. And so the the team that you had built at Privacy, um, were they all the team that was kind of working towards Lithic or did you bring in a, a outside folks or a little bit curious on how this transition happens uh, uh, between the privacy to the Lithic kind of pivot? Yeah, it's a great question. So I always say I've uh, been at this for uh, eight years going on nine years now and um, kind of have had two, two startup experiences in one. Uh, and that like the first couple of years, uh, we were like almost like a bootstrap company. We hadn't raised that much money, we raised like less than $10 million. Like the team was like around 20 people, like really, really sort of like small company, tight knit. Um, it's not like we're like huge now, but um, you know, over the past couple of years, like, you know, we had this sort of really tight knit team. As we went into infrastructure for other companies, we really kind of brought in more folks and had to scale up the team in order to kind of invest in the reliability, the consistency, uh, the go-to-market motion, all that, and so we've we've scaled the team pretty substantially. Uh, in terms of like you know sort of the the decision to go into processing for other companies, one of the nice things was like everyone on our small team of twenty or so people at Privacy were like had this like firsthand experience of like working with the legacy provider, and you know there's nothing like kind of that firsthand experience to give you kind of the confidence that hey like this is something that the world needs like you know the thing that we realize is like the reason why most of the financial system works you know the way it does everything from consumer banking to b2b payments to lending um the, the reason why it kind of works in this way isn't because like people don't have good ideas uh it's in large part because like the underlying systems and infrastructure was largely kind of built before the internet or mobile phones were really kind of mainstream. Uh, you think about these companies, they're really profitable and like, you know, big public companies, but they're, they're like, you know, still built on systems from like the eighties and nineties. It's an interesting um, opportunity. I think that presents itself too. I mean, I, I'd see it as a, a, a time where, you as leaders, right? Um, for you know, you said about twenty folks at this point that you had been have been building with you at Privacy um, to get them really motivated and excited for for the future as well. Um, did you give folks the option of staying a little bit more 
at privacy versus fully jumping into the lithic world or or was it something that was you know optional yeah i mean we yeah absolutely uh you know it's it's sort of a work on what you're interested in and it Mm -hmm. generally both of them broadly align with kind of what we want to do long term as a company uh if you think about it working on the infrastructure of lithic is you know indirectly helping privacy anyway uh Mm -hmm. as as sort of a customer of lithic and um so yeah there we i'd say it shook out pretty well in terms of what people wanted to work on and what we needed uh, as a company. From a culture perspective, you know, obviously things sounds like things started to change and change fairly rapidly for you um, once the pivot into Lithic came about um, from a growth perspective, right? From a numbers perspective, funding's coming in at this point and you're, you're being tasked to kind of scale a little bit aggressively. What are some of the things that you miss from those earlier days when you were growing those, you know, five to 20 folks. Um, and are those, are those things that you still try to capture and keep in your culture as you get to this point where you're at now, which is what, what what's your current kind of head count? Yeah, we're about 130 right now. Okay. And I would say all things equal. Um, if you can keep the company small, like, that is, that's better. Um, just in terms of like, you think about like, as you hire more people, uh, you end up with more overhead, more communication challenges. Um, you start to really need to think more about like organizational structure and like, in general, you, it's sort of a inevitable fact that like company is your company becomes more successful. You need to grow headcount. Uh, but, but there, there is sort of a real organizational cost there um, that, that I don't think, uh, maybe in like, maybe this year folks will think more about it as the economy has changed and, and shifted. But like, uh, in general, I think during like growth, growth, growth phases, uh, people don't really think enough about like the, the efficiency loss that you get when you hire a bunch of people. Um, in terms of like the culture, um, early on, like I'd say like the things that we really valued and I, I, I liked, and we still, you know, aim to maintain is like sort of this high trust and like high context culture. And we've really tried to encode that in our values. And I know like values are kind of hokey, but when you think about like what they are, like they're really sort of this like shared vocabulary uh, to talk about like the things that you care about and are important in a company. Uh, and and if you don't have values or articulated values, it's very hard to influence um, and, and to sort of shape the, the type of culture that you want to build at the company. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a, a talking point that I, I wrote down here. I wanted to to discuss with you because I thought that you had really interesting values, uh, company values. The some that stood out to me was you know be a be a good neighbor, um, build a great neighborhood. Um, when coming up with your your company values, uh, is this something that you uh, looked across you know the company and kind of crowdsourced, or uh, was it something that you and the founders kind of came to the table with? you know, over a couple of long nights and, and kind of figuring out what, what is it that we represent and then run it by the teams. Uh, how did you come up with that? What kind of exercise was that? 
Yeah, it was a it was definitely an iterative process. Uh, you know, when, when it, whenever I think about decision making, right, like you can uh, make decisions by yourself and uh, move relatively quickly, uh, but you yeah. just get generally get less buy in on those. Right. Like and, and sometimes it's important to make those decisions, not in a committee setting. On the other hand, like, you know, if you make decisions in a committee setting, it's going to be a lot slower. Um, but you're going to come up with like a much more perspective and you're going to come up with much more buy-in and values are one of these things where like values are just words on a wall, unless like people are bought in and really believe in, in the values. And so in terms of the process, um, I think uh, I forget which, which there, 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 there are a couple like pretty good guides out there online in terms of like running a process. Um, but basically the idea is like, you know, your values are really like, work that like, you know, you should, you should spend like a good amount of time soliciting input, getting ideas, wordsmithing with folks so that people really feel bought in on them. Um, and I, I actually think that um, as companies grow, it makes sense to kind of continually re-audit your values and revise them. Um, we haven't done that yet, but it is something where it's like, look, like when we came up with our values, we were something around 30 people. And it wasn't that we didn't have values before. It was just like, you know, these were kind of implicit. And, you know, now that we're 130, like, you know, we've got 100 people that have joined since that, you know, weren't, didn't have a, you know, say in the values per se. They joined the company and, you know, that's that's one component of it. So, um, yeah, like I, I think um, it, for us, it was definitely an, an iterative process. Yeah, I like that too. It's it's the type of thing. So we're you know we're a small company. We're about twenty two, and um, you know we we put our values in place when we were about eight, and I would say even you know just that that small amount of growth, right? You know, it's something that you know you want you want that next wave of folks to feel like they're a part of something, um, and I think values gives them some say and. And a part of the business that's, you know, it's not just about transactions and revenue, which is, this is the core of, of who we are as a, as a, as a team. Um, so I agree with you. I think it's, a, it's a really interesting thing to kind of look at those and uh, audit them and, and uh, have them evolve as the company evolves. Um, something I, I, I tracked on your all's kind of social media was um, a company retreat that you all did last year. Um Really cool picture, by the way. It looks like you got a, a healthy crew together. Uh, tell me about that. You know what what went into it? Where where'd you go? And and what what do you think were some of those standouts that you know uh, strengthened the team as a result? Yeah, uh, yeah. The retreat. So I mean, we're a, we're a remote first company. We have a, a office here in New York, but uh, folks can work uh, pretty much anywhere around the country. Um, and you know, as part of that, like I, th I think doing retreats, uh, doing one company-wide retreat a year is is important for building that connection in person. And so for us with this retreat, what we've really focused on, we did it in LA, mm -hmm. um, and we we focused on just building connectivity with folks, um, not just on their teams, right? Because like you've got folks that work with each other day in day out and know each other, but like you know, it's this idea of like how do you give people more context on like the company? How do you give people more context on like different functions? Um, how do you? We flew in uh, uh, one of our customers and did a customer panel, um, and that was like really good. Just like how do you how do you expose people like to um, as much of that as possible. 
Um, you know, the, the other thing was really like, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do uh, remotely and over Zoom, but like, what are the things that like you can't do and do unless like you're in person, right? And it's like, you know, brainstorming sessions or like, you know, uh, you know, just th things like that where like, you know, you, you kind of get a lot of value from, from uh, being in person. Was it kind of like a hotel that you all stayed in or, um, cause thinking about that many people, it's tough to get everybody under one roof. So I was curious to hear like, a the level of immersion, like where people were staying in hotels. Yeah. So we got a, we got a block, a block of rooms in a hotel and, you know, the nice thing of doing it in a hotel is like, you also get like space conference space mm -hmm. as well. And, um, they're used to helping take care of like, you know, food amenities and, and all that stuff. So, For sure. um, Cool. So the, the company, you know, you all have, have uh, gone, you know, gotten funding as well from some, some pretty reputable VCs like Bessemer Ventures, you know, curious to hear, um, you know, from your point of view of, you know, why, why do you think these companies, these VCs invested in Lithic? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I know that yeah, yeah. everybody has their stories of, you know, pitching, you know, to tons and tons of VCs. Right. And so, you know, I'm always curious to hear what it is that, you know, what do they believe in? Yeah. So I think if you, I'll start with like sort of, um, really the opportunity, if you think about like the anatomy of a credit card transaction, um, there's two sides, right? There's the side that helps merchants accept cards, merchant acquiring, and there's the issuing side, you know, card issuing processing, which is what we work on. Um, and the stripes, the addians, the you know, uh, squares, the checkouts of the world, um, they've approached acquiring in this way that abstracted away um, a lot of complexity and made it super product and developer focused. And in doing so, um, they actually like dramatically expanded what the world of acquiring looks like. Um, you see Square did it for SMBs, uh, Stripe did it for developers and you know online e-commerce. Um, the list goes on, right? And it wasn't like they actually like were you know, taking market share from any of these legacy guys. Like they they were actually like sort of expanding the pie, and. That's kind of what I think about what we're doing on the issuing side. Like, you know, there's there's this element of like kind of lowering the barrier to entry, and uh, you effectively become this sort of bet on developer creativity or human ingenuity. And what's exciting about that also is like from a end user and like individual perspective, like you know, I think about it. What we're doing is like kind of doing our part in terms of enabling builders to make the financial system and you know financial products like substantially better yeah this is a this is an interesting space i'm i'm curious on on um on your end in terms of you know we're kicking off a new year here in 2023 um what do you think from from lithic's perspective you know what what can folks get really excited about with what you're all are building this year yeah so I think so. We're a financial infrastructure company, and so uh, the development cycles for us are like pretty are pretty substantial. You know, we're we're um, you know we're fast and moving, we're nimble, but like it does take time to you know really kind of make these investments and build infrastructure. And so, 2022 for us 
was really kind of this year where we had this like baseline infrastructure, but we spent a lot of time, a lot of energy in terms of investing in sort of up-leveling this infrastructure. And so 2023 is really about like kind of this like increasing commercialization of the infrastructure, productizing and commercializing uh, this infra this infrastructure that you know we invested in over the past couple of years. Um, we're going to continue investing in infrastructure, but it's really kind of like focusing on specific verticals, specific segments, uh, and kind of you know in terms of feedback loop, like you know there's there's sort of this like tighter customer feedback loop that that we're looking to have in 2023, and so uh, that's really exciting to me. Um, on the flip side, you know, we are still continuing to make these really interesting infrastructure bets. And so um, there's also like no shortage of like interesting infra problems to, to, to solve. Let's dissect some of that uh, tech technology that you all are building with. What's some of the tech stack that, you know, uh, Lithic's building with? Yeah, so you know, we use we use a mix of languages. We use Python. We use uh, C++ on the back end. Uh, we use Rust uh, in in parts of the stack. Um, in terms of the front end, um, we use a lot of JavaScript, um, like 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 most folks. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a pretty diverse stack, I'd say. Um, you know, we're built largely on AWS. Um, What's interesting is also because we're doing transaction processing, um, there is actually an on-prem component when it comes to interfacing with the networks. So mm -hmm. there's some like interesting uh, tech challenges there as well. Neat. Are, are you all uh, hiring? Uh, you know, going into this year, what what kind of uh, positions or or roles are you hiring for this year? Yeah. So I would say, uh, yeah, we, we are hiring, um, like most companies, uh, we're being pretty measured and pretty thoughtful on the hiring front. Um, you know, we have a, uh, pretty robust team and, um, uh, the, the, uh, the economic climates obviously, uh, pretty uncertain right now. So we are selectively hiring, um, across engineering, um, and, and, and other key functions. So, so when you, Hire? Do you would you say that you tend to hire for like a general skill set, or do you usually look to fill a need on a very specific team? I would say um, on engineering in particular, we're pretty opportunistic, um, and so there isn't necessarily you know like what we found at least is like it's much um, you know specific fintech domain expertise is useful for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but given a trade-off, like we would much rather hire a skilled engineer uh, who has no fintech experience and train them up and get them familiarized with with the industry, uh, because we found that like you know smart folks can pick this stuff up pretty quickly. Interesting. What what is the like the general lay of the land of your tech teams right now? You know what what's the size of the of those tech teams and from a maybe engineering and and product and. You know, data teams. Yeah. So uh, engineering product uh, and design and data are about, um, I'd say about 50 or so. Um, or, or, yeah, about 50. Almost a, a third or a little bit more than a third of the yeah, company. Yeah, it's, it's a little more than a third of the company. Nice. Good stuff. Um well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, it sounds like there's a, a lot on the horizon for you guys. And, um, you know, I love the, I love the story. I, I, you know, 
you're the first person I've talked to that's met their co-founders when they're in their 12, 13, 14 year old. So I think that's a really, really interesting, uh, uh, you know, journey that you've got, Bo. Um, I'd love to transition us into, uh, you know, a segment that we call the five second scramble. Um, and, and in this segment, what I'll do is just kind of spitball a few rapid fire questions to you, give you five seconds to answer. You can go a little bit over if you can't, if you need to, but try to keep it as brief as possible. Uh, you ready to jump into it? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready for it. All right, cool. Um, explain your product to me as if I were a, a five-year-old. Um, oh man, that is, <laughs> that's, that's tough. Um, that's tough for <laughs> yeah. So we, um, as a five-year-old, um, oh man, that, that's a, that's a tough question actually. Um, yeah. I'm taking more than five seconds here. That's um, cool. You know, really, we, we make it easier for people to um, to to make uh, new credit cards. I think that's probably the, the the most concise and simple explanation. Yep. See, I can digest that as a five year old. I, I can totally totally see what you guys are doing. <laughs> um, uh, again, what problems are you all solving? Um, you know, we're, we're solving the, the problem we're solving really is like kind of twofold. Right. Uh, and this is really informed by like our, our own experiences. Um, you know, it's, it's way too hard to launch a new credit card, uh, or a debit card. And, um, even after you get started, it's really hard to scale and innovate. Um, and so we're solving the twofold problem. One is the launch and the second is like kind of scaling of, of the, the offering. Who are your users? Uh, our customers are um, are really like um, you know brands, uh, technology, software companies, uh, financial uh, potentially financial companies, um, any any company, any technology company that wants to um, issue or launch a, a card product. What's your favorite aspect of working at Lithic? Uh, I'd say my, my favorite aspect is uh, spend, spending time with customers, uh, spending time with, with customers, understanding their use cases, um, their, their products. Um, yeah, that's, I'd say that's my favorite. What aspect of your culture do you most fear losing with growth? I think one of the things that um, I really like about our appreciate about our culture is that it's a uh, relatively high trust culture. Um, and uh, I think that is something that's really hard to, to scale. Hmm. What about your work keeps you up at night? Beyond the economy and everything. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think the, the, the service that we provide our customers is really, really mission critical. Um, and so when we go down, like transactions stop getting processed, right? And so the mission criticality of that is, is, a, is a pretty uh, heavy weight to bear. For sure. And it does sound like a, a pretty stressful burden right there. Um, what type of engineer would you say thrives at Lithic? Yeah, so I'd say we're, um, you know, we're, we're kind of this mid-stage company, right? We're not a like, you know, 10 or 20 person startup, but we're also not like a thousand or like 10,000 person company. So it's sort of, um, I think there's a mix of like 
you have to be able to work well with others. Um, and there's not enough like sort of just, yeah, that you have to be able to work well with others. Um, but there's also enough like kind of like um, space where if you feel strongly about a product thing or if you feel strongly about something the customer needs, like you can you can get it done. And so it's, it's, it's a really kind of interesting uh, uh, middle ground right now that that we're in, um, at least from from what I've seen. Cool. Who's a tech entrepreneur that you find fascinating? Um, I mean, I got it. I feel like you gotta say Elon. Uh, <laughs> just like he's super. It's really fascinating, right? It's it's not necessarily a style that. Uh, I would emulate, but it's, it's certainly fascinating. It's super fascinating. I think he's, he's a, everybody's got a hot take on him for 2023. Like what, what's going to happen to Elon? Um, favorite cereal. Um, Cheerios. Nice. Coffee or tea? Um, coffee. What do you love the most about yourself? Ooh, that is an interesting question. <laughs> um, I'd say I'm an optimist. Uh, you know, I, th- I think, uh, you, and you kind of have to be uh, working in startups, uh, you know, to, to get kind of get through uh, the hard parts. Yeah. Preach, man. <laughs> we need more. We need more optimism in the world. So I, I think that's great. Um, do you believe that there is life on other planets? Yeah, I mean, kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Favorite app on your phone today? Favorite app on my phone. Um, I've been getting into running more. Um, just outdoor activities. I gotta say, Strava. Nice. Um, and then favorite superhero? Um, Batman. Batman. Yeah. The number one answer. Is um, it really? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's the right answer too. So, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's it, man. You, you nailed it. You did not stumble at all. Except the first one was a little bit thought provoking with the five-year-old, uh, product, which is, I've heard something that like a lot of VC is going to pitch is like, all right, you know, simplify your product for me and break it down real nice and easy, but you, you did a good job of it. And, um, uh, the, the story, uh, of, of Bo Jang and Lithic is very interesting. I'm, I'm glad you're able to come, come on and share it with our team. Uh, we're excited to see what you guys continue to build this year. And, um, thank you again for, for spending time with us, man. We appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Tim. <laughs>